This is Johnny Dangerous. Welcome to the Tidy Weekender podcast. In this brand new episode, I'm going to be speaking to the creative mastermind behind all things tidy, not just the weekender. As with the first podcast, you can expect some tidy tales. And let's face it, this guy has got a fair few stories to tell. This week, I'm speaking to the one and only Amadeus Mozart. Amadeus Mozart, welcome to the Tidy Weekender podcast. It's good to have you on your own for a change. You normally, you and Andy Pickles side by side for interviews, but for this, I think it's it's good to to have a conversation with you yourself and you. I think that's a wise decision, uh, Johnny. I think sometimes when me and Andy are together, it can get confusing. Uh, we battle for airspace and uh, we talk over each other. I mean, we've, we've been together for a long time now, 30 years, so we know uh, we know each other very well. But I've always thought, looking back over Tidy TV and interviews, that I'm a little bit better than him. We shall see. Yeah. So, can you remember... When you first heard the idea for the Tidy Weekender, what did you think at the time? Yes, um, as I think it's been noted and documented that uh, it was Richard Scaife that approached us to do the Weekender. He'd had some uh, uh, dealings with us on the uh, Tidy Vision Tour uh, and the first two birthday parties that we'd done. And so he was involved with us uh, with a company called U-Boot. Richard came in as part of the team and basically I think it was his first suggestion you know as soon as we employed him I think his first thing he suggested was this weekender and I remember he approached Andy first and then Andy said to me Richard thinks we should do a weekender of course I knew what weekenders was he didn't have to explain it you know it's a the elevator pitch was let's should we do a tidy weekender at a Pontins holiday camp and I thought Yes, didn't have to think about it because obviously I'm old enough to remember the Northern Soul Weekenders and everything that's gone before. So although it was a new idea for our scene, it wasn't really a unique proposition. So once I'd heard Richard said do a weekender, I just thought, yes. Um, I didn't know if it was going to be at Butlins or Pontins, but he said Pontins. Now, normally that would probably upset people and say, well, Butlins is a bit better than Pontins. But it didn't, because I love kitsch, retro, 70s, 60s stuff. So I thought Pontins is perfect. So I was very excited. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a great idea from the offset. I had no objection. I just wanted to get stuck in and thought, this is a brilliant idea. And the timing was right as well, because Tidy was approaching its peak in in the terms of traction. You know, there was uh, lots of gigs, lots of tours. It was the right thing to do at the right time. It's no secret that you are the creative genius to have turned many of the ideas that have happened in Tidy into a reality. The Tidy Weekend must have been something of a challenge for you, nevertheless, but it also must have got your creative juices flowing. It did. And you're right there. Genius is a good word. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I'm the creative director. And, and Andy always describes Tidy as um, Tidy is a record label, but most of its uh, creativity and its visualisation is just shit that's in my head. Uh, and I just put it onto paper or put it onto, you know, into film. So, yeah, most things not all things, but most things that Tidy do are something that's in my brain. And the, But The Weekender, uh, like I said, I just said there, it was easy to get the concept. Creatively, I, I struggled initially because 
I knew that I wanted it kitsch and retro, as tidy is. I wanted it tongue-in-cheek. We never take ourselves too seriously. Um, so I wanted all those ingredients, but initially we didn't have the the concept until Tidy Weekend of Five that it was going to be sort of themed as far as fancy dress. So the first four weekenders, we never really got to grips with, wouldn't it be good if everybody's in fancy dress? So the first one was, okay, what's it going to look like? And I played around with a few ideas, and... I collect a lot of retro magazines, books and stuff, and I was going through my collection, and I bought a load of old American magazines, in a big pile that was in my studio, and I was just flicking through them. and um, They were full of naked people. W- well, not all of them, but one of them was a naturist, uh, 19, I think, 60s naturist magazine. Um, and I don't know how I got this. I, like I said, I, I bought a, a batch and it was in there and I was flicking through it. And there was a lot of funny pictures in there, you know, because naturists can, although it's a serious, you know, a naturist would say, don't take the piss, to a non-naturist, some of the scenes are quite humorous, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and there was one particular scene where there was a, a bunch of, it looked like a family and their friend uh, in America, quite clearly, holding up a, an orange flag, and they were all naked. And I thought, okay, let's be a bit controversial, let's be a bit tongue-in-cheek. If you're going to go to a campsite in America, they, they were like cult. And I thought, well, tidies are cult. Uh, naturism's a bit cultish. Holiday camps, it, it, yeah, it worked. So I quickly scanned it, the this photograph uh, from the magazine, and the only thing I had to do was replace the flag. There was a, a logo on the flag, obviously to, from this naturist camp, remove that and put the tidy logo on it. Um, a lot of people to this day think that, well, obviously they knew I man- manipulated it, but I don't know where they thought that image was coming from. I had to crop the image, by the way, because uh, there was a, although it was a family, there was a 14-year-old boy in this family. And he, he got a, a plaster on his leg and was on crutches. And but all his tackle was out, and I thought this is this is bad. So I I cropped the young fourteen year old and just left the uh, the parents and their friend holding the flag up. And that uh, I think I was expecting uh, Andy to say you can't do that, but because with all the text I covered up the balls, the hair, and the cocks, and the the tits and the fanny, and um, and so it looked quite good. And I think everybody laughed, and I knew. To be honest, looking back, I can't believe Pontins let us get away with it, but that became quite iconic, didn't it? I mean, yeah. look, looking back now, people still remember that. That, and I think that worked for us when you in mix mag when you have. And this is what I always do and do it tidy. Don't try and follow all the other labels. And if you're flicking through mix mag and you've got glossy, lasered pictures and p- predictable clubbing photographs, tidy's always wanted to be almost out of place. So when you got to page six in Mixmag and there was an advert for a tidy weekender, instead of like DJs on the decks and a crowd, you got a naked family from the 60s in America holding up a flag. And it worked. So marketing-wise, brilliant. The only thing I had to do was say, right, I said to Richard Scaife, we've got to get some orange flags because that, that was the only synergy between the flyer and when you got there, and I remember turning up when we did a, a site visit, I remember seeing all the flagpoles and thought, brilliant. We can just put 
10 orange flags down this this walkway entrance and then when you get to the shop we can sell the tidy flags and ironically to this day when we do a weekender one of the first questions i get from the clubbers is will you be doing a flag so that was the first weekender but that was the flyer obviously what your next question is well what what are you going to do what are you going to do and i said right we can't be cool it's pontins it's it still looks like 1973, so let's play on 1973. So we'll have a knobbly knees competition. We'll do bingo. We'll do silly games. We'll make it seem like that you're on a holiday camp in the 70s, and that's the way we'll dress it, and we won't hide it. The chalets may be a bit, you know, retro. Let's play on it. Let's just go down that retro route, which was perfect for tidy. Incidentally, when the flag sold out, people would then obviously climb up the flagpoles to get what was there. I remember coming out of um, the the main reception the second day and all but one flags had gone. They'd sold out, but yeah. there was one lonely flag left in. I remember, I think the security were tasked with watching that, but even then, <laughs> somebody bypassed the security that were watching it and took that last flag. Yeah, talk about health and safety. There were, you know, punters climbing. I mean, these were big poles as Pretty well. Very high poles. Very yeah. high poles, yeah. And so all the flags are gone. But then we knew we were on to a winner. So when we did, obviously, Tidy Weekender 2, it was just a matter of changing the colour of the flag. And, and incidentally, just touching on Tidy Weekender 2, um, we didn't do much because it was really quick. I thought we were going to do one a year. And then Richard Scaife come from this weekend and said, such a success, we're going to do another one in six months' time. I thought, shit. Right, what are we going to do? And uh, I remember, I think me and Ben Thomas sat down and we just took the same image, changed the colour of the flag, and I think we twisted the jaws and put uh, sort of cy- turned them into almost cyber kids. And that it was quite a lazy thing to do. And, and looking back, if I've got one regret about the weekends, I wish we'd done a, a different flyer for, for number two. But, hey, it did the job. Um, so, yeah, weren't too bad. Like you've said, it wasn't until Tidy Weekender 5 that the themes actually came in. How did you decide what themes to run? Yeah, well, like I said, Tidy Weekender 1 and 2 were the same flyer, and the theme wasn't really a theme. It was, uh, you know, come dressed in whatever you want. Uh, Tidy Weekender 3, we we had a, a whiff of a theme, which was Holiday on the Buses, because it was filmed there in 1973. And in fact, if you go to the gates, there's a blue plaque there showing you the uh, where it was filmed. It's a cult film. I recommend anybody to watch Holiday on the Buses. Um, so I thought, well, at Tidy Weekender 3, let's play a Holiday on the Buses. Tidy TV was doing well. We got a big, we got a big bus, which I think Richard's explained about how we got the bus. So Tidy Weekender 3, it was, I'll tell you what we touched on. We touched on the red coat, blue coat thing. And I think the Tidy Boys intro, we came out in red coats and stuff. Tidy Weekender 4, uh, we went back to naturists. Uh, and again, there was two naked people on a motorbike for the flyer. But we didn't have a theme, although there was a whiff of a theme, because on the Friday, we did a cyber, cyber Friday. And the Tidy Boys came out of boxes in their cyber gear. So, yeah, there was there was a hint at a theme. And I think it was Richard Scaife who said, right, for number five, we've got to make it bigger and better. How can we... We were always looking, how can we improve it? We couldn't really get many more people there, so how could we improve it? So Richard said, let's have a fancy dress theme. We had a meeting, and I think we decided, through its ease, was uh, the Army Weekender. Because you could literally go to uh, a TK Maxx or a H&M and just get a khaki T-shirt 
and you were in. Wear your jeans and a khaki t-shirt, you look army. Obviously, some people went to town and, you know, they really turned up with the full army gear on and the girls look good. It's a good theme. An army theme's a good theme. And also, tidy is an army, in a way. The tidy army. Uh, For the flyer for that, we actually ripped off a Dad's Army uh, poster. There was a, a, a Dad's Army film, I believe, which had got all the characters drawn in a jeep facing you. So I'd got a, a Dad's Army annual. So I looked at that and we just got an illustrator, in-house illustrator, to redraw the Army characters. And I think there was me, Andy, Yoji and Savage and little Lee Aslam at the back running behind the jeep. So it's quite good. And everybody, uh, I mean, everybody, I would say 999 percent dressed up for that weekender which made it extra special and i think it was a great theme and then from there on obviously we had to continue the themes but so yeah joint decision and a good theme to start with and ironically number five was the busiest of the weekenders 3600 people we had to put people sleeping bag spaces we had to get all the staff off site it was packed now you must have been in your creative element with tally weekender seven it was the dirty weekender and like I've said before, you 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 know you've never been shy to admit that you do like tits and funny. You know it's it's one of those things that you love. So <laughs> the dirty weekender for you, you must have been in your element. Uh, yeah, thanks, Johnny. I do love uh, tits and funny. Um, it goes back to Tidy being a, a bawdy carry-on film, isn't it? You know, my my love of sort of kitsch retro. So again, I think for Tidy Weekender Six, because it fell very close to Halloween, it was in October, it was a natural thing for Tidy Six to be, we called it Tidy 666. And um, so Tidy Six went past, again, a simple uh, fancy dress, Everybody got into spirit, horror. It was great. That was a good weekender and equally as busy as Tidy Weekender 5. So the fancy dress was set in stone. Tidy TV had got its themes. It was brilliant. Everything's rocking. When we got to number seven, the themes started to fall on me. It wasn't joint decision. I think everybody, as a creative director, everybody used to turn to me and say, Ammo, what theme are we having at the next one? So the pressure after number five was on me. Six was a no-brainer because it was Halloween. Seven was a tricky one. I had to think about it. However, I'd always want... I went back to the very first weekender and looked at the flyer and thought, hmm, maybe we could be a bit naughty again. Everybody loves naughty. And so... And, and and the saying in the 70s, oh, you're going away for a dirty weekend. You know, it was it was the sort of thing that you used to say in the 70s. Yeah, your mum and dad's gone away for a dirty weekend. So I thought, well, let's have a dirty weekend. Let's have a dirty weekender. And once you'd written that down, it was a no-brainer. Uh, for the artwork on the flyer, I didn't do that one. Um, I think at that point, Russell Pate had joined the team and he got some of his mates to do that one so it's a little bit different if you look at the flyer for Tidy Weekend 7 it's slightly different it's not my style however everything else was uh, and I remember we did a, a little brochure that you got when you got there a little magazine which was called Sticky Fingers and um, it was like a little A5 one of those magazines you get in a in a Chinese restaurant in the 70s in Soho, you know. So it got it was good, a little sticky fingers, because we got we were advertising albums in it. And so, oh, yeah, I went to town. And I remember in the reception, we had a young girl, I forget her name now, in a hot tub in the reception of the Dirty Weekender. And me and Andy, when people were coming in to check in, they just saw me and Andy 
in a hot tub with a girl who'd got no clothes on except uh, insulation tape over her nipples. What a good start to a weekender, everybody thought. And do you know what? Everybody got into spirit. The girls dressed up brilliant. The lads dressed up like pimps. It was a bit of fun. And uh, obviously on the stage, we had some dancers then and they were very erotic. And, and I think it worked. I think the mixture of carry-on bawdy dirtiness, and we, we played all the carry-on films on Toy TV, and, the, and I hear, this is uh, what I didn't realise, there was a lot of swapping and sex went on in the chalet particularly at that weekender. Must have got everybody in the mood. And uh, I think it was Chrissy Williams that told me, and we were joking once, and I, 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 oh, I bet people do swinging at the weekenders. And she said, yeah. And she didn't laugh. And I said, you mean? And she said, you wouldn't believe what goes on in those, on in those shallows, Amadeus. And I, 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 you know, I naively thought people were just watching Tidy TV and, and having a good time. I didn't realise they were having sex with different people. Dirty Weekender did live up to its name. So what was your favourite weekender theme then and why? There's been so many over the years. Are you talking purely theme and not yeah, the theme? Yeah, theme, not weekender itself. Okay. Well, I, I can probably give you a top three. Um, I think my favourite was what we just talked about, which was the Dirty dirty Weekend, because there was lots of uh, lots of things you could get your teeth into with the Dirty Weekend. Literally. You're quite literally. The Army was the, the best represented... But I tell you what I did quite like, and a lot of people forget, I like Tidy Weekend at 11. I like the school reunion one, which was quite good, because obviously a lot of, it's a it's a common theme, isn't it, when uh, students do it, that school reunion. And it was a nice, easy one as well. Get a white shirt and get a tie. Boom, you're in. So I did, I thought that was quite a good theme, the school reunion. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go dirty, school reunion, army as far as the fancy dress goes uh, on the themes and they were good to they were good things to play on as far as creatives go i found the difficult one was the superhero at 10 because um i'm not a superhero fan myself and i found that it was difficult to make it kitsch and retro so i think i think we struggled with that theme pirates of prestatin was quite good at number nine uh, though again there's only so much you can hang your hat on let's not forget Number eight, the cowboy theme. That was that was good. They're all been good. They're all been good. I, I suppose the weakest ones, like I said, number the superhero one at the time felt difficult, and then we struggled towards the end, Johnny, because once we got past the school reunion and we got to twelve, we had the space one, which uh, was the sort of on Star Wars, and then it started to get difficult. We didn't do a thirteen, as you know. Unlucky for some. And then when we got to 14, we literally, I think we put it in the hands of the public. We said, it's just come whatever you want. It was a 14.2, wasn't it, reset. That was a tricky theme. Although we played on white, I think a lot of people turned up in white for that. But yeah, we've kept the themes going, and I think it's important that there is some sort of theme. Now, I want to talk about the whole marketing strategy for the weekenders, because it's, it's very clever whether you looked at it from the outside or whether from with Inside Tidy. The Tidy board certainly played an important part in the promotion of the event. Social media was relatively new at that time. It was in its infancy. There was no Facebook as such. You had MySpace and everybody was friends with Tom, you know, on MySpace. But back then, message boards were the thing. How important was the Tidy board for promoting the event and how did you make it do a lot of the work for you? Because it did work very well within everything that you did 
I would go as far as to say, without the message board, we might not have had a success in events, full stop. Um, when we did the first uh, Tidy event in 2000 for our fifth birthday party, the only way that we got 2,000 people there, really, was to put on the message board, we're going to celebrate a fifth birthday, who wants to come? Uh, ring Rotherham 01709 for your tickets. That was it, really. That we didn't. I think we put one advert in DJ Mag or something. We didn't really go to town on marketing for that first event. So it was purely message board driven. Um, so when it got to the weekenders, I think because we'd had two successful parties, the Christmas party and the birthday party, and we'd sold 2,000 each, I suppose what Richard thought is we only probably need 1,700, 1,800 to come to a weekender. Surely we can do it. So, again, we didn't really spend a lot of money. It wasn't until we got to about early weekend of four or five do we spend money on the back page of Mixmag, you know, five grand an advert. Mm. It, the first three weekenders were organic and when i mean organic it was through the number one was purely through the message board i would say 90 percent of the people there through the message board i don't know how many people we add on there in the end but there were there was talk of about ten thousand active users on there now that's quite a lot because we've got a keep it tidy group on facebook now and i think there's about 17 or 18,000 people but active users there's only 8,000 so we had more active users on our message board than we've got probably on facebook now um because that was the only way you could uh, you could get your information, and we had a lot of fun with message boards. I think I've got uh, you know we've all got a fond memory of the message board, even though there was some idiots on there and some haters. But that made it that made it more fun, and it wasn't a big loving. In most of the time, it was people arguing, a bit like Facebook now. All, all we've got with Facebook and, and social media now is what we had of the message board, and it's it's a bit more open. So, yeah, God bless Tidy's message board. And we were ahead of the game. I mean, don't forget, I don't know if you remember, we had a thing called Tidy Addict, which was a, a different message board, which was a year ahead of Facebook. So we were ahead of the game. And what you could do with Tidy Addict, which was a new website, it was like a message board, but you could rate and poke people and send them messages and upload pictures. It's a real shame that Tidy Addict didn't take off. Well, I mean, we literally were ahead of the game on Facebook, but everybody said, oh, I like the old message board better. So we stuck with that, and then Facebook come along, and we missed out. So message board communication. We've always been connected with our audience, and I think that's important. The Tidy Boys have been the face, and that's the difference between Tidy as a record label compared with, say, Tripoli and Nucleus and our, and our other friends in Hardhouse. They've not had faces. They've not had identity. They've been very strong at what they do. And I think because the Tidy Boys were sort of the mad puppets at the front, and we led from the front, so we weren't shy in wasting my nights chatting to, you know, I would be up till two in the morning answering people's messages. Somebody would say, is, you know, when is there going to be a Resonate album coming out next year? And I'd be up till two o'clock in the morning replying to them. So I think all that hard work and mad effort, it generated momentum. So when it comes to the weekend, uh, it was simple. Put a message up there. Who would like to come for three days and three nights a mad hard house party at Pontins? Yes, please. Simple. Now, these days, social media is obviously an important tool for marketing. You can't do anything without having a platform on social, on you know, social media these days. 
Uh, you've got to be active on all of them as well. You can't just have Facebook. You can't just have Twitter. You've got to be, you know, multi-platform. Can you give us an insight into just how you make platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, work for you? And also you've added Twitch mm. to, to the fold now with what you're doing. What goes into making it, uh, you know, an effective marketing strategy? Tidy's always been ahead of the game when it comes to marketing and the internet and and, and websites and, and, and social media. So if you go way back, we were one of the first record labels in 1996 to have actually a website. And by 98, we had a website with a shop. In 2001, we were turning over 27 grand a month on an online store. But, you know, Tidy TV was ahead of its game back at when we did Tidy Vision in 1999-2000 you know what we were doing was ahead of the game of YouTube it was random content user generated stupidity it was it was ahead of the game on YouTube so whether it be Tidy TV or whether it be our own website or message boards or Tidy Addict we've always tried to be uh, there first or, or, or upfront about it so when Facebook came along um, although it, I think it was set up in 2005, it didn't really gain momentum in the UK till 2007. September 2007, I was on there straight away, with instantly. Uh, I was on Twitter the, the week it came out. So I've always been personally uh, on, on social media because... As you say, without it, you haven't got you haven't got a voice anymore. But there's a fine art to it, Johnny. There really is. I'll be honest with you, and this is a chance for me to get it off my chest. A lot of people do Facebook. Let's use Facebook. They do social media and Facebook wrong, uh, on a personal level and on a business level. Particularly on a personal level, people don't know uh, when to stop with their personal life. And um, there's, a, there's a fine art. People think I'm very open, which I am on Facebook, and they probably think that all my life's on Facebook. There's your photograph of your dinner. You, you're going out with Ange, you're doing this, you're doing that. Everything's on Facebook. It isn't. I'll tell you now, 20% of my life's on Facebook, 80% isn't. And it's a fine art in getting that right. And the balance well, as a business, as, as I use, I think there's a sweet spot where you use it as a business and also personal. People don't want me to go online all the time and say, sell, 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 look at this, come to an event, do this. They want to see what I've had for dinner and uh, my love for Cherry B and, you know, and also occasional controversial things like getting into debate going. One thing about, I learned very early on, way back in 2007 and 8 that you get more traction if you asked a question or you said if I said I fucking hate Top Gear I would get a, a, a lot of interaction and then if I've got an album to push or an event I knew that in the afternoon if I was going to push an event or an album or tickets in the morning I would slag off Top Gear because I would get momentum on my own wall uh, people coming to my own wall and then all of a sudden here comes, uh, uh, here comes an album to promote so there's a fine art and also, I think you've got to be real. I find that if there's a wanker on Facebook, he's probably a wanker in real life. And a lot of people say, oh, there's a real life and there's Facebook. No, they're the same. Trust me, they're the same. If it's a wanker on Facebook, there's a wanker in real life. Um, <laughs> there, I've said it. So social media is important. You've got to get your personality, your brand, and your business across. Tidy, once again, has the fortunate of sending itself up. And with me and Andy have said from day one, if we take the piss out of ourselves, nobody else can take the piss out of us. If you take yourself too pretentious and you have photos of you completely smooth with a filter and you're saying, 
Morning, everybody. Let's smash it. Ooze up for it. Let's bang it out today. Life's great. I'm fucking fantastic. You're shit. And you've got this air of uh, uh, superiority. I think people don't warm to you but i think if you, you you put a post up and say i feel shit this morning i hate fog and um i've got a bad headache i think there's a gen more of a genuine post it's real life so we've tried to be real with social media but the going to your point finally the nightmare it used to be good when we had just facebook now we've got instagram now we've got twitch now we've got twitter now we've got TikTok and Snapchat. You you know, you could get up in the morning and go bed and think, I've done nothing but post up a brand new album through all these platforms. So there is one too many. We focus on Facebook, even though I think a lot of the next generation are on other platforms. Instagram's nice. I think we keep a nice balance between Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, TikTok's not for us. I think, you know, particularly a lot of us are quite old. I think a 57-year-old old man on TikTok needs their loft inspiration and um yeah and snapchat i bought i got it i downloaded it the day it came out i enjoyed it for a week and then i thought this is shit so i'm not on it so tidy sticks to facebook twitter and instagram and twitch we like because obviously we can do our live sets and have no no problems with takedowns and also it's a it's a good pl- it's Twitch reminds me of the old message boards meets a YouTube. So if you've never tried Twitch and you like the old fun of the message boards where there's a lot of interaction, uh, a live interaction, and you've got music and you've got TV, I think Twitch is very good. And we're, we're pushing that. It's a long slog because we've got to get people from Facebook to Twitch. But I think we're going to have a bit of fun with it this year. Taddy TV is another big part of the weekend, Almost as important, I would say, is the music that's played in the arenas to a certain extent. Again, Taddy TV was was your brainchild, Amadeus. What made you come up with the idea for that? Uh, yeah, I, I started it with Dave Woodhead, who used to be Double Drop from uh, Sunday Central, who had already done uh, Tidy Vision with us, which the Tidy Vision tour and the album and the DVD. So we got a little bit of traction between me and Dave on visuals. We loved visuals. So when it came along to the first weekender in 2002, I remember going to a site visit and them saying, oh, by the way, Channel 6, you can have whatever you want. If you want to put a flyer up or put something up on there, or you can use it. And I went silent for a minute and I thought, we can have Channel 6 to ourselves. And I, <laughs> I thought, wow. And I, I remember driving back, my mind was racing, what an, whoa, this is a dream cut. I've always wanted my own TV channel. And obviously, if you've got 3,000 people sitting in the rooms, you've got a captive audience. So it was great for us for marketing. But I didn't want to, again, if we'd been a normal brand, we would have had, don't forget to buy Resonate 2, and there'd be another advert. Don't forget, keep it tidy threes out this week, and it'd be a constant advert. I didn't want that. I thought the best way to entertain, and it became the fourth room, as you said, it was important. So me and Dave, we, we let's just say we tipped a toe in the water. We'd done some interviews around a snooker table at Music Factory, and we put together a two-hour VHS loop because we thought that'd be enough. You know, two hours, nobody's going to get... They're going to be partying all the time. They're never going to get to see the same thing twice. So we took two VHS tapes of the same material and somebody, when it when it got to the end, used to have to go into the TV room and swap it over and, while that was rewinding, put the other VHS in. And on that tape, there was interviews, 
some music videos and what me and Dave did and it was down to me to organise it was to have a mixture of retro TV public information films so and I, I, I wanted nothing to last more than five minutes that was it. so if you were in your chalet you were like I can't turn this off I don't know what's coming next you've got you've got like a, a an episode of Button Moon going into uh, a Paul Glasby hard house track that we made going into a public information film about not treading on broken glass on the sand to um, an interview with Lee Haslam and with making him take his top off. It was random TV. And I knew from that very first weekender, we've got to expand on it. And I remember we'd done it and driving home from that first weekend, I thought, we've got to improve that. How can we improve that? Two hours is not long enough. So I went back to Dave. I said, Dave, tidy weekender two. We've got to expand on it. No, I don't want to, I don't want to loop two hours. I want the team to come down there and we make a whole bloody weekend of it. So from Tidy Weekender uh, 2, 3, 4 onwards, it just got bigger and better. Uh, when we hit our peak, we were spending between 10 and 12 grand on Tidy TV just to put it on. And we would do all the sketches. I'd write all the sketches with Dave. So Dave would film and, and do the editing. I'd write the scripts and the concepts. And every theme obviously brought along it. So when we got to the Dirty Weekender, we did the Pretend Plumbers, where me and Andy uh, went to, I think it was... Um, Amber D's house and uh, we were like a bad carrier uh, uh, confessions uh, yeah. so yeah we come up with these concepts we we loved it it was a great promotional tool it got darker as it went on we we wanted to we realised that when you're munted in your room at 4am or 5am it, it used to scare people as well so it was funny it was entertaining. We enjoyed doing it. We spent a lot of money on it, a lot of time on it, but it was important. And as I say, I think without Tidy TV, there would have been something missing um, from from it all. And we got we got so good that we were a team of five. They'd film on the Friday night all the events, and then we'd have editors that went that worked all the way through the night, twenty four hours, two editors editing it. So when you got up on Saturday morning. There was you partying on fresh content, partying on a Friday night. We'd turn it round that quick. And uh, at its peak, it was fantastic. I know as we got on uh, the budget, I think somebody slapped me around the wrist and said, you can't spend 12 grand on TV. It's it's ridiculous. You, you, you know, you're going over the top. I would have spent 50 grand on TV if I could. But yeah, that's a different story. Was there anything on Tidy TV that didn't make it to the small screen in the chalets? Surely there must have been. What you mean that there's that, that you that you were told that cannot go out, Amadeus, you cannot put that on. Do you know what, Johnny? I think I had carte blanche. I mean, we we had to be careful because Pontins, obviously, the staff are, are all they live on site, half of them. And if they put Channel Six on, I got hardcore porn. I mean, I think at the Dirty Weekender, I did suggest we uh, we ran a hardcore, we ran softcore in the end. So it was like you know, uh, carry on camping and confessions of a window cleaner or a taxi driver. So it was all titillation. But I remember speaking to I think Richard and Russell at the time. Can I push it and have? Um, I think it was a real. I had this uh, really bad x-rated one i forget what it was called i'll think of it in a minute but it was it was quite bad um it, it was 70s porn but you know full penetration and i think they thought look if the manager comes down or head office come down and they just see people just having anal sex on the tv channel six it's a family it's a family uh holiday camp isn't it and i could yeah. just see the headlines you know what i mean so uh, we didn't push a look. So yeah, tidy weekend of seven. I had to rein in the hardcore porn. 
the recording schedule for Tidy TV was quite intensive. How did you manage to juggle that alongside running the label? Yeah, it's quite hard. What we tended to do, I tend to put it to the back of my mind. Uh, me and Dave used to say, right, okay, six weeks before the weekender, we would start. Don't don't really think about it until six weeks before, because if you did, you'd do nothing. You'd just, I'd get no work done. So what happened is uh, six weeks before the weekender, uh, the first two weeks, I would write the scripts and the concepts and the ideas of what we're going to do. Then we'd film it on the second two weeks, and Dave uh, would edit it on the third two weeks so that was a six week schedule yeah that that was basically it i mean some were elaborate i remember when we did at home with the tidy boys that was a half hour episode so a lot more script and work had to go in that and that was just a spoof of everybody assumed that me and andy lived together in sheffield in a terraced house and we were a lot more come wise we stayed in the same bed so we said well let's let's pretend that we do then and you know and and then in the kitchen at lunchtime we practiced dancing to heaven's cry so again we spoofed ourselves but the schedule was quite good the hardest part johnny was not writing the scripts but it was actually i used to sit there with an excel spreadsheet trying to work out and i was pedantic and ocd about this about what order it goes on tidy tv the timeline so i used to say right okay if we've got a cartoon if we've got rhubarb and custard it's got to go into a bit of hard house and then hard house into um carry on camping or something and so i wanted i never wanted two cartoons together or a public information film so it had to although it looked random there was actually um a lot of thought went into its randomism do you know so you're I mean? quite serious about the programming and it wasn't just throwing no it wasn't together no it wasn't it was I, i've even got in my office i've still got the original uh, schedule for tidy weekend one in what order it should go and what how i, how I it, red was a public information film. i'd like la colored labeled it all up and by that looking at it, you could see there was not two reds together so it was important that it did flow randomly but in a way that you thought it kept your entertainment up so when you just had enough of this 70s cartoon boom here comes a bit of hard house got me interest again oh what's this what's this you know it's um and we always we we actually approached sky um about having our own tv channel um in about 2004 because we wanted Tidy TV to be... Everybody kept saying, you should do this. On, oh, if it was a Sky channel. We looked into it, and Sky were interested, but they said, you need a million pound to set it up, which put us off. Uh, but I always said, if we did have a Sky channel, nothing would last more than five minutes. It would be random TV. I still think there's room this day for a, a channel that's just a, a mashup of random stuff. I think it's casual viewing. You just stick it on. And, and what I like about random viewing, it was going to be... There was going to be no format to it, so no schedule. So you wouldn't be able to say, what's on what's on Tidy TV tonight at 8? I don't know. You've got to watch it to find out. It could be anything. So that was that was its secret to its success. And I'll tell you now, I've got emails and messages now, and they all say the same thing. Will Tidy TV. The other thing that we, I don't know if you touched on is the diary room. User-generated content, again, ahead of our time, way before YouTube, we would get people, as you know, at a weekender in a box with a locked-off camera, and we would get them to talk shit, cod shit, quite literally, for five minutes in front of a camera, and we would edit it and put it on the next day. And I've got a lot of uncut tidy TV footage from the diary room, which we're going to upload to our YouTube channel. There's a lot of unseen stuff, because everything had to be edited tight. Like I said, nothing was longer than five minutes, but we've probably got eight hours of diary room that was never seen. Wow. So I'm looking forward to putting that up on YouTube. And that was quite entertaining. The diary room was, was 
Yeah. Pretty entertaining. Yeah, you, you saw people, let's just say, let the hair down. Yeah. Their inhibitions go. Um, and so the diary room, we, we've got to bring back. So which are some of your favourite tally TV sketches and which ones stand out for you? If you had a top three, what would they be? Uh, top three. Um, I did like, again, it always goes back to that dirty weekend. I mean, it wasn't a sketch, but there was a show where we, we we'd, were in a sex shop. And me and Andy pretended we had a, a sex shop called Sticky Fingers. And it wasn't a set. We went to, there's a famous sex shop in Sheffield. You probably know it, Johnny. It's called, not La Chambre or something, but there's a sex shop in Sheffield. It's yeah, still there. It's a swingers club, I think, La Chambre. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah. up the road from there. Yeah. yeah. I thought I saw you going in the other day. Um, yeah, it's, it's just up the road from there. And we called it Sticky Fingers and we had T-shirts made. And what we had is the DJs turn up um, like JP and Jukesy and Andy Whitby. And they, the, the, the premise was they'd turn up to return something they'd already bought. So, uh, you know, uh, JP and Jukesy would return with a massive black mamba um, dildo and say, oh, it weren't big enough. So it was a good scene. And my favourite sketch from that was we got Gay Darren to do the spunk test. And what he had to do, we had uh, three Pipetres, a famous DJ spunk, and he had to taste a little bit and then work out what the DJ was. And then he'd go, mm, that's Andy Farley. And then he went to the second one, he went, mm, that's Judge Jules. And then the third one, he went, and he had to get it right. We said, come on, if you get this right, you get a prize. He said, oh, that's Lee Aslam. And then the joke was, it wasn't Lee Aslam. We said, oh, you're really close. It was Lee Aslam's dog, Patch. And then <laughs> Lee Aslam would bring a dog on called Patch. So, you know, Gay Darren had tasted his dog spunk. So that's all, that was a good one. Uh, the other one was Pretend Plumbers that we did with, uh, with Amber D. That was filmed at Gay Darren's house, actually. Um, so it wasn't done at Amber's house. And that was a good script to write. And my other one was At Home with the Tidy Boys. I enjoyed doing that because it, it we sent ourselves up. But a lot of people remember the through the keyhole, through the DJ keyholes. They were good because we got to go into people's houses and and they weren't scripted as such. We we'd run through the house first to, so I could monitor where the jokes were. Um, but mainly it was uh, us going through DJ's houses and making it up as we went along. So it was enjoyable to do those. So yeah, those are my those are my favourites. Was there ever a worry that people would stay in the chalets and not come out just to watch tidy TV? Because it was really good TV. Yeah, there was that worry. I think um, I think if a mixture of when people used to party too hard on a Friday, they used to do too much, you know, and let their hair down too much. Saturday night was always a difficult night to get them out because they were just wrecked um so uh, we'd have less people on the dance floor on a saturday night because they'd overdone it on a friday but one of those reasons i suppose if you're munted in your room and you you've got a duvet on and you're in the living room and tidy tv's on uh there's an argument to say oh well let's stay in and watch tidy tv and not go on the dance floor one year i think we had loads of live sets and we were going to actually beam from the rooms to the chalet so you could see eddie hallowell in the main room live on tidy tv but that got vetoed because we quickly realized like you said if they'd overdone it on the friday nobody would be in the arena saturday they'd be in their room watching tidy tv and eddie hallowell in their chalet so we vetoed that is it making a return then to the weekend or will there be channel six will it be yeah. tidy tv channel six will be back um we what happened towards the end is we didn't run out of ideas but the money 
you know, uh, we weren't getting the 3,600 people. So some things got cut back. We, we decided that uh, we'd cut back a little bit on the budget of Tidy TV because I was getting carried away. It was getting too elaborate. So um, unfortunately, on the creative director, I like to spend money. But Andy Pickles and the team said, hold on a minute, let's rein it in. So towards the end, we had a lot of the best of Tidy TV. But this one, I think we can bring, we've got our own media suite. We've got our own offices here now. We can do some more sketches. I think we will still show some of the best of Tidy TV because I think a lot of people still like to look back at it. But I'm going to be putting new content in. The die room's going to come back. So, yeah, we're going to try and get it as close as the original Tidy TV as we can at uh, Tidyland in July. And the hot tub in the entrance with you and Andy in? Will that, re- will that return? For no reason. For uh, no reason. Just no, for kicks. Just for kicks. I'd like to. The entrance, uh, yeah, we're going to dress that up. But, yeah, I'd like to uh, I'd like to get back in that hot tub uh, with somebody. Do so, so does anybody actually understand how your mind works? Um, probably my wife, but she has been with me for 40 years. I think Pickles knows uh, how it works, and he lets me get on with it. Like we said at the top, uh, at the beginning of this, Tidy, I'm not going to take all the credit because Tidy is a team and I don't want people to think that Tidy is about me and I never have. Um, however, I end up to be, obviously, by default, th- this is one thing I want to clear up, Johnny, as well. We talk about social media and me. I think there's two ways of looking at me. Either, oh, he's a funny fat bloke and I really like Tidy and without Ammo there wouldn't be Tidy. Or, He's a twat, uh, is a self-ego-mad, crazy self-publicist that can't shut up and loves to hear the sound of his own voice, and he talks nonsense. Those are the two opinions of me. Um, I can tell you that number one's right, number two's wrong. I am not an egomaniac, and, and I've never wanted to be the front man, but it's happened by default, because... As a businessman, me and and businessmen, we realise that it is important to have two show-offs at the front that are having fun. Um, because if we're having fun, how can I let the public know that we're having fun? There's no point in us being silly like we are, naturally, stupid, childish, um, and keeping it a secret in the office. We, we want to portray that with the brand. So... That's why we do it. And also, somebody has to be a spokesman. If we've got something to sell, then, of course, I'm I'm going to pick up the mic or go online and and, uh, and sell it. So, yeah, we're, we're show-offs. As you know, we don't do drugs or anything like that. We're quite clean living. However, I'm sure from the outside looking in, we look like we're off our head most of the time, particularly on stage. So, um, yeah, I love doing it. I, I enjoy doing it, but it's not an ego trip. In fact, Andy and me, particularly Andy, is a is probably a lot shyer than me. A lot of people think that he's a moody bastard. And they say, oh, he was on stage showing off, and then I went to get his autograph afterwards, and he, he blanked me. It's not because Andy's that way. He's just quite shy. He's a different person when he gets on the stage. And I suppose I'm a different person uh, when you turn Facebook on and write, go live, be be one of the tidy boys and if you speak to anybody an actor or any band they're different off stage with their family shopping around Asta, little or tesco's than they are when they're on stage or on camera and that's that's what it is it's part of my job although i believe yeah what's in my head does spill out all over tidy and i think if you look at the sleeves and look at everything it is my warped 70s 60s 
mind that does end up on the front cover uh, most of the time. But somebody's got to do it, Johnny. They have. Although, like I said, I want to stress, it's a team effort. And I don't come up with all the ideas. Dave Woodhead was brilliant at Tidy TV. He, Dave Woodhead put my concepts to reality. And without Dave, that wouldn't have been reality. And whether it's Sam Lee, Haslam, or any of the team, including yourself. I mean, you know, Johnny. I mean, you're when you work for us, and you still do now, you come up with ten ideas. Nine of them are shit. But one of them will always be fantastic. And I think that's the way we work. And as a creative company, we always do that. Nobody nobody as a creative should be ashamed to spill out what they want to say and what they... Because for every, like I said, 10 shit ideas, there's a good one. It's a creative pot here. It's a unique company. I, Johnny, I can't believe we're still doing it after 20, 27 years, really. The weekenders, the events, and the fact that we're all in this office having a laugh, making music, you know... I do feel blessed, but, um, and finally, I want to thank, obviously, everybody for supporting us, because, uh, as Andy's famous quote is, it's, when we're doing events, it's a big empty room if you're not there, and the support, and they buy, people have bought into Tidy, the tattoos, the collections, and, you know, I think the, the punters, the clubbers, and the fans are just as mad as us, and I think if they weren't, it wouldn't work. If we're just going to take the piss, they're taking the piss. They're in on the joke. It's one big happy family, and it's great. And I'm really looking forward to this weekend because it's been a long time coming, this one. Do you know, I think this one, because it's been put off twice, will make it even better. I think. I agree, yeah. I think people are so gagging for it. And what I like about this one is people from the... I, I've got messages from people who only went to Tidy Weekender 2 that are coming back to this. I have to question them. I say, well... Did you like Tidy Weekender 2? I fucking loved it. Best weekend of my life. Why don't you come to Tidy Weekender 3? Oh, I don't think I could have coped. And that's one thing I want to tell people. You don't have to be 22 and pretend you're 22 anymore. If you're 42, do it as a 42-year-old. And that's what's good about this tidy land. We're making the daytime more important or just as important as the nighttime. Without bringing the family, it's going to feel like a family event. And I think the tidy is one big family and uh, it's in the summer, it's July. What's not to like about Tidyland 2022? Let's talk about one of the most iconic sets, I would say, at a weekend. Uh, and it was recorded and released on an album. That would be the Tidy Boys Live at Tidy Weekend 2. Yeah, that was, um, that was a mixture of genius, skill and fucking lucky. Because... We did it. Uh, we didn't think of the idea until a week before. I remember driving to Plymouth and me and Andy saying, wouldn't it be good if we did a live set? I said, live? What, live Lab 4? No, he said, not live Lab 4. He, he said, no, really live. And uh, I said, well, what do you mean? Like, And he said, yeah, if we've got like samples, an Akai sampler, a keyboard, CD, vinyl, cut-ups. I said, well, sounds good in theory, but when are we going to get to do it? It's only, we're not far from the weekender now. Well, we'll I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll come at the idea Wednesday, we'll write it down, we'll practice Thursday, and we'll do it on Friday. And that was literally how we'd done it. We we did literally run through a, a set. I think we wrote it down. We practiced it, I think, three times on the Thursday, because we, we didn't go down to the weekend until Friday. And we, when I mean practice it, we'd done it in a studio. And uh, Andy had a keyboard, and we got all the samples from Tidy Event. And, and they'd literally put stickers on the keyboard so he could see what was black is black, what was, you know, what would you like to hear again, and because the house gets warm. So he had all these samples. We worked out sort of roughly what we were going to play. 
vinyls. I had some vinyl with some sort of sequences on. We had some CDs with some sequences, mixing it all up. It was quite precise. And like I said, I think we practiced it three times on the Thursday. Got it right once, got it wrong twice. And I said, look, let's just wing it in the end. Let's do it as if we're doing it in the bedroom. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, we can just have a laugh and, and say sorry. And lo and behold, give or take, it was pretty spot on it was it was almost perfect and uh i remember the only thing was bad was me and andy didn't really smile through the whole set and a lot of people are used to us mucking about well, that's because you were concentrating on what you were doing because it was live for the first time ever we were concentrating on what we're doing i mean mixing records together normally we can do it in our sleep but because we were concentrating i remember Anne savage who was well wrecked god knows what she was drinking but she come on the stage because i think the tidy girls were on after us and she got these boxing gloves and she thought Quite rightly, normally I'd get she'd get on the stage with the Tidy Boys and have a laugh, and and so she was like knocking the records, and I'd, I'd put all the all the CDs in some sort of order, and she was just messing around, didn't realise, and we're fucking doing this live. This isn't us messing around. So I, I remember having to be stern with her, say, Anne, leave me alone. I'm concentrating. I was sweating and buckets, and but yeah, we enjoyed it when it was finished. I remember coming off and looking at Anne and saying, we got away with it, and everybody loved it. It was Tidy's seventh birthday, and it got, it got recorded. We were lucky it got recorded, and uh, yeah, it's gone down history. And I just looked at the streaming, actually, on Spotify, and it's uh, our most streamed album. Uh, a lot of people say it was the ultimate. God knows why we put uh, Holidays Are Coming from the Coke advert towards the end. I'll tell you why I put that in. I, I just thought I need we were going to throw out some T-shirts at the end. I thought, well, what could we put? And, it, you know, although it was... Um, October, we just put that in. Holidays are coming, and do you know? Ever since then, everybody's requ- when we play a set, they would play. We play the Coca Cola theme tune. It's mad, isn't it? But yeah, it was a good set. We enjoyed it, and I think the the catchphrase is we got away with it. Really I think good. it was the first non jewel case tidy release as well that came in a, a cardboard sleeve, and it's one of the most sought after albums online. Prices for it online, and whether you go to Discogs or eBay, can can be quite high. Do you know, Johnny? That's what I like about you. You're an anorak, aren't you? I mean, I, I would knowledge. I wouldn't have even. <laughs> I wouldn't have even remembered that was the first digipack and not dual dual. Uh, I wouldn't have even remembered that. I remember one thing that pisses me off, and I blame Lee Aslam. I think uh, the Resonate series. They were all in digipacks, and then somebody decided to cut corners on uh, Resonate Five and yeah. put it in a crystal case. I went mad. You should have seen my face. <laughs> anyway, that's a diff- That's for another podcast. That's for another podcast, yeah. That <laughs> is. Let's talk about the theatrical aspect then, because you're well known for for your intros. You're one of the only DJs that really started the whole intro thing. Other people have done intros. They've been pretty poor, but yours are not just an intro. It's a show. It's theatrical. Yeah, uh, Rod for our own back, I think you'd say there. Well, we were the, one of the first DJs to take a CD out in 1999. We'd take a small CDJ100 out because um, we wanted to make our sets different from everybody else. And we realised if you're following Lab 4 or a DJ that's playing at 160, there's nowhere to go. So we decided to make an intro out of all the tidy samples with some crowd noises, whooshes and bangs. And so the Tidy Boys had already got a, a, a premise for opening with an opening. DJs didn't used to do that. If you listen to Lisa Lash's set and Paul Glasby, they'd start with a kick drum. And it worked for us. And um, 
I think people used to go, you'd know when the Tidy Boys were on. So we'd already got a premise of a sort of audio intro. So when it come to the weekender, the first one, I think we I, I redid a, a new audio intro. And I think we just walked on and waved. The second one, I think we had um, what was called a kabuki drop, which was a, um, used on stage quite a lot where you've got a lit up screen and you're behind it as a silhouette. And that was the first... That was the first intro of the weekend that was, I would say, is a proper intro. And then at the third one, we did this really nice trick with Tidy TV where um, we got introduced and we weren't on stage. And Richard Case said, Tidy Boys, Tidy Boys, where are they? And we'd filmed uh, a week before we'd gone down to Pontins in the chalet of uh, me masturbating while Andy watched. And that went up on the big screen. And uh, and then we did a, a run that we'd record, pre-recorded from the chalet to the back of the stage, and then we cut live uh, to me and Andy wearing the same outfit and coming on stage. So yeah, what once we got that, we had to get bigger and better. Um, one of my favourites was the cheapest one was Tidy Weekend of Four when we just burst out the boxes dressed as cyber kids because we'd got these cardboard boxes on stage, and obviously we weren't in them all night. No. But three hours into the show, people thought, "What are them boxes?" And then we came out with big surprise. That was a cheap trick, really well done then we thought well how can we beat that and then that's when we spent three and a half grand on zip wires at tidy weekend of five and we were up there for two and a half minutes two minutes probably three and a half grand blowing the budget on the tidy boys intro that was spectacular though but it was only you that was allowed to use it nobody else could have a go only me and andy yeah we were the only ones insured to use it that's why. Not as showing off, Johnny. And then the worst intro we've ever done was Tidy Weekend of Six. We followed it up. We said, how can we beat it? And so at Tidy Weekend of Six, we were dressed as monks all day around the site. So people would see us as monks. And then we said, what we'll do, we'll get in the rafters, we'll get two dummies dressed as monks like us. So people could see us up there. And then the rope would be cut and we would fall behind the decks and then jump up as if we'd fallen from the ceiling. Brilliant. But where it went wrong is uh, Simon Barrington and his team didn't light the monks at the top, so nobody knew they were up there. All it looked like was we were jumping up from behind the decks and waving. Shit intro. But yeah, the intros, do you know what? They're the bugbear. I wish we didn't do them. I'll be honest. Because I know everybody loves them, but every time a Tidy Boys intro at weekend happens, I have to think of some mad way of getting us on the stage. So we've had zip wires coming out of boxes and we've done we've done everything. We've dressed up as pirates and parrots and, you know, we came out with paintbrushes at 14. Everything's been done. So... Do you know what? The biggest stress for me, being up to a weekend, when Andy looks at me and says, what's going to be our intro? And I go, oh, no. So not only musically do I have to think what we're coming out to, the first track, I have to think what we're going to be dressed as, what we're going to do. And I'd say it takes up a lot of my brain space. Um, yeah, I regret doing the intros, but I know that they're part of the Weekender, it's tradition. And when we do do it, and we do it well, it's good, and we enjoy it, don't get me wrong. But we have done some bad ones. When we did the school reunion, I, I come out as Britney Spears. Now, that was I've seen that on footage. But do you know what the worst one for Andy is? I'm not really supposed to talk about it. Tiny Weekender 7, it? the dirty one. Because Andy came out in... Uh, literally came out. It quite literally came out. I look like... Uh, 
uh, an extra for Erasure, and uh, Andy came out in these sort of chaps with his ass out, fishnet stockings, and these sort of size nine red girl shoes. And it, it at the time we thought, that yeah, Frank converter gone wrong, bad, a bad Frank converter. And uh, I remember Fergie was on before us, and he came off stage as we were walking on. He looked at Andy, and he just shook his head, going. <laughs> You wanker. And Andy got a p- complex. So third record in, Andy realised at this point he got a complex. He couldn't go out the front. He knew he looked bad. He knew his ass was out. And so what happened is he started stripping off. So behind me, he was taking these fishnet stockings off. So by the end of the set, he'd got like one shoe on, half a fi- rolled down fishnet stocking. He'd put his jumper back on. He looked terrible and I've got some photos in my drawer that I'm not allowed to show staff of Andy with his ass out in front of 2,000 people and there's a bad video but Andy did say that he wouldn't ever be my friend if I shown people that they're really bad honestly Johnny when I look at them photos even I'm embarrassed maybe it'll make it to the book uh, yeah, maybe there'll be a, a a book or a secret DVD of Andy Pickle's bad outfits so yeah we, lo- we love doing the intros and I'm sure we'll do some more so 25 weekenders, it's some achievement. What would you say has been your highlight? Not an easy question to answer, but... No, everybody says, what's your favourite weekend? Uh, and I always go for the same two. I say number one, because it was number one. And I remember coming home from number one, literally, I, I drove home uh, after the first one, and I, I got home around two o'clock in the afternoon. I went in the studio, shut the door, and I cried. I very rarely cry, and I didn't know why I was crying. It was pure emotion. It was pure happiness that I'd seen 2,000 people that were all part of the Tidy family for the first time ever together. And the difference between a weekend and a normal event, at a normal event, you say hi, you can't hear people talking, you've got the DJ on, it's over in six hours. But what was good about a weekender? You could share experiences. You could lay out in the sun. You could go to Nyssa and buy a pot noodle together. You could have a drink in the pub. It's such a great experience. And I come home and I, I just literally cried. And I said to Andrew, I don't know what's happened. I've just cried because I'm so pleased with that event. And so number one and number five, purely because it was busy. It was a first of the themes and it was a great feeling, number five. So those are my two favourite experiences I mean, we could probably do another podcast about my uh, least favourite parts of the, mo- the weekend, but they're just literally keeping people healthy, making sure people don't overdo it and, and go and die on us and they just need to be sensible. They're the worries. You know, it's all right us showing off on the stage, but we want everybody to be safe and healthy and uh, keep, just you know, enjoy themselves professionally without going over the top. So there is a worry, but uh, it's outweighed by the euphoria we get at that event. There's no event like it. And when Tidy stops or it all ends, we'll always say that the the weekenders were those uh, special events. I can't believe there's people still out there who have been Tidy fans since 1995 who have never been to a weekender. They're the odd ones. This is their chance to repent. This is their chance, and I suppose your next question is, will it be the last one? No, that's not my last question. Well, it technically is going to be my last question, (laughs) but if you could have one person perform at a Tidy Weekender, who would it be and why? That we haven't had or we've had? I would say that you haven't had, because if you've had them, then 
I won't be asking you who would you want to okay. perform, but yeah, that you haven't had, who would it be? I mean, we've had everybody, I think, that we've wanted, uh, with exception to Tony V, which is impossible, of course. Yeah, that I, would be I, a, a phenomenal appearance if, yeah. if it was to happen. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, it, it, we nearly made it happen at, at one of them. When I say nearly, the closest we got was when we had the trade room in room two, if you remember that. Yeah. And we found a, a set that hadn't been played out by Tony. And we literally had a picture of Tony up in room two with yeah. the set playing and nobody playing, which I thought was quite nice. Uh, yeah. touch um so yeah who we got everybody pretty much wanted i always say and it's an in joke now uh, and my favorite joke is you'd never get very coarse in doing that and so one person that i've always wanted at a tidy event purely so i can say that one joke i, I want to come on stage and say tidy weekenders you'd never get very coarse in doing that Hold on a minute. It's Look very at, It's very Corsten. So I'd love to get that on purely for that one joke. Um, Look, we've had every hard house superstar on, haven't we? We haven't missed anybody out. Uh, I can't think of anybody. So the only thing you can do is expand the music genre. Um, I, one thing you haven't touched on, I think some of my favourite people that have appeared at the weekend have been the novelty guests. You know, the Keith Chegwins, you know, the sort of Timmy Mallets and uh, and all those. Those are surprise guests have been uh, fun. So if I could have anybody, it would probably be, uh, you know, a stupid, uh, another stupid guest, I suppose. Who would it be then, dead or alive? Who would it be? Because you are, like you say, kitsch, retro. Who would you like to have in that vein of guest? That is a really tough question for you because you are, and a lot of people don't know this, you are a collector of autographs of people yeah. from that era. Of yeah. All these famous mm. um, 70s and 80s TV stars that, you know, as kids we used to watch on a Saturday evening. Yeah, Who I mean, you have? it's a good question. I mean, uh, you know, you, you reach for people like, oh, wouldn't it be good to have Morecambe Wise on? Or uh, Tommy Cooper, uh, those sort of people. Um, and then for children's programmes, I, I just, I'd like uh, Derek Griffiths and Brian Kant to come oh, on. Oh, they'd be amazing. And do they? a whole play school special. Yeah. I'd love a play school show, you know what I mean? And they literally come on and do suggestive play school things with puppets. That would be good. We had Rainbow, of course. They, they, yeah. they were very good. But yeah, play school would be good. So yeah, more. I mean, ultimately, you know, your Morecambe and Wises and your Tommy Coopers would have been good. Uh, although they're not, so they're, they're probably not shit enough. They're too good. They're, they're too cult, aren't they? Could we do like the naffness, don't we? You know what I mean? So, but yeah, I did, the list is endless, you know, anybody from Man About the House or uh, uh, Robin's Nest. Yeah, that was that was good TV. George and Mildred even, that was, you know... Fantastic. Amazing TV. Yeah. Seriously, I'd like uh, Dennis Waterman and the late, great John Thor to be there and I'd like a Sweeney show, because that, that's Sweeney's my favourite TV programme probably of all time. So. You actually replicated one of your intros as well, didn't you? Yeah, we did a Tony Boy's Big Night Out. We used to do the Sweeney versus the Professional. So we uh, we had a Ford Capri and uh, yeah. Tight leather jackets. Tight leather jackets. And it was a year before Life on Mars, which was a recreation of sort of the Sweeney. So head of the game. So yeah, kitsch, retro, love it. So yeah, we'll keep that theme going, I think. Finally, the question a lot of people are answering is this the last Tidy Weekender or is it the first Tidyland Weekender? 
I knew that question was coming. Uh, I wish I'd prepared. Well, look, it's an ongoing joke, isn't it? That I think it, I think it was Tidy Weekender 3 that we said it would be the last one. The reason, and I'm going to say it, and I've been quoted this before, the reason that we always used to say it could, it could be the last one, and we never said it will be, we always said could, um, was because it could. Because if we'd done Tidy Weekender 3 and somebody died, there would have been no number four. And we literally get to the Sunday night, and Andy's liaising with Pontins, and when we get to Sunday night and it's 2am, Andy knows that it's been a safe event, he'll make that announcement and say, we're coming back in, in March or we're coming back in a, um, October to do another one. Because... Without getting through it successfully and safely, there won't be another one. So we started to say, look, really enjoy this weekend. It could be the last one, and one day it will be. Not as a lie, but as a genuine thing. Then we started to play on it, and then people said, oh, yeah, they're just doing it as a marketing spin. But that was the reason we started it. Then we started to set the piss out of our service and said, who's coming to the last weekend? I think we had one weekend. It was a Christmas one called Carry On Weekend. Uh, and uh, that was going to be the last one at Prestatin. And... Um, yeah, we've always said, I think we had a T-shirt, I went to the last weekender, question mark, you know, was I, was I really there at the last weekender? So, yeah, it's an ongoing joke. So the answer to your question is, we treat each one as it comes, financially, health and safety, whether the demand's there. I, I, I will round off and saying, if there was two and a half, three thousand people that wanted a weekender genuinely every year, we would do one. There is no reason. Why would we not want to do one? They're fantastic events. And if we can get the crowd there, we will put one on. That's a fact. If they're safe and people want to come, we would do one a year. We would do two if the demand was there. You know, what's the point in doing it if the demand's not there? We've lost a lot of money on weekends. You know, Music Factory made a lot of money. And me and Andy personally lost a lot of money. You know, the ideal weekend, we lost 62 grand, and that's not that's not uh, not very nice. So if you get and the, the trouble is, it's a it's a quarter of a million pound event to put on. If you get it wrong and you don't get the people there, you lost money. If you get it right, hey, you can buy yourself some new jeans and uh, enjoy a, a cherry bee. So public demand will dictate whether we do some more. If this tidy land goes the way I think it will do, I probably think there'll be more weekenders. Amadeus Mozart, thank you very much for sharing your memories with us. Thank you, Johnny. Thanks for listening to the Tidy Weekender podcast. Please favourite us so you don't miss the next episode.